Welcome to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I'm Chef West Step, and I'll be your host for Outer Banks Raw, a brand new podcast coming from the Outer Banks. We're going to be talking about food, fitness, lifestyle, you name it, that Outer Banks state of mind that y'all love so much. You want to plug in? Tune in here. This podcast is brought to you by NC Coast Grill and Bar in Duck, North Carolina. NC Coast Grill and Bar celebrates the flavors of the coastal south while bringing in cross-cultural and global influences to the Outer Banks. This podcast is sponsored by Chefs on Call, a branch of Red Sky Cafe Restaurant located in Duck, North Carolina. Chefs on Call's talented personal chefs will cook, serve, and clean up while you relax and enjoy the company of your friends and family at your Outer Banks vacation home. Find more at redskycafe.com. Hey, this is Chef Westep. Welcome back to Outer Banks Raw. This week, I've got a really special guest and a good friend of mine, Brooke Sparks. And Brooke Sparks is big into real estate. She's also into property management. She is originally and from Currituck County. We've worked together closely on a lot of things down here in the community. And I tell you one thing, she's a fellow Outer Banks lover. That's the kind of people we're getting on here in the show is making sure they, that they got that Outer Banks vibe. So, Brooke, how you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Hey, uh, so tell me, give me who you work for or what you do, what you own. Tell me about yourself. I sell and buy for Caldwell Banker. All right. And I own Coast Realty, which I manage a select inventory of boutique rentals. And I tinker with spec house building and house flipping. And I enjoy that a lot. And then I love coaching my kids sports. And yeah. I guess I double now as a farmer. I had a bunch of watermelons that we grew with the kids and we sold them to local markets and we sold them to friends and gave some for, to the sheriff's office and to the fire departments. It was a lot of fun. They learned a lot of lessons in that. So that was that was good. And you also do a lot for the community, both in Curry Tuck and Dare County, correct? Yes, that's correct. I try to give back. I've been so blessed and I want my kids to see that we have been blessed and and part of that is giving back to those that have given to us. And so we're we're always big supporters of our boys and girls in blue and our firefighters as well as anybody in the military. Now, I see you on Facebook, correct? Yes, and I am, I'm terrible at keeping up with my own numbers, but I am very competitive. I think that just doesn't go away. I think if you're competitive, you're competitive, and it doesn't matter what job you're, you're doing. You still want to be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. One thing about being from the Outer Banks, and me and you both, have, we're pretty much Outer Bankers, but it's like if you've got that hustle in you, you know what I mean? So right now you're doing everything from growing and selling watermelons to million-dollar estates, correct? I know. I joked earlier this week. I said it might be easier to sell a million-dollar house than get these big watermelons up and put them <laughs> in the back of the truck. But I do. You know, I think part of being in the workforce on the Outer Banks is you've got to be willing to do whatever. What right. Some Saturdays that could be cleaning, inspecting. I could be a plumber on any given day, you know, whatever it is to get our guest in those homes right. on any given Saturday, that's what I have to do. Right. And, that, and that's, I think we're all faced with that. We don't have a ton of folks that are looking for jobs right now. And right. so that means that we have to fill that void. I know I see you in the kitchen cooking. Yeah. So I think we're all small business owners right now are faced with that, I think. Down here, sometimes we got to make hay while the sun shines. Is that right? That, that's right. It was a couple Saturdays ago. We had some cleaning crews that they're just tapped out for the summer. I mean, it's August. They're tired. We're tired. The houses are tired. 
And I was in, I went into Cosmo's Pizza yeah. to grab pizza. And a couple people were looking at me and they were like, aren't you Brooke Sparks? I had rags hanging out of my pocket. Yeah. They were like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm not showing property like this today. I'm actually cleaning houses from Kerala to Duck. Right. <laughs> you know, so like you said, we, we kind of have to cast a wide net there. You know, I, I do whatever needs to happen to get people in the houses. Well, one thing about you is, and I've known this for a long time, but, you know, you can see it if you check you out on Facebook or anything like that. You're high energy. You're constantly moving. And I think that is the secret ingredient to making it down here on the Outer Banks. It's like, if you want to put the hustle in, you can make a dang good living down here, wouldn't you say? I, I would, if anybody that's willing to work and they show up, you're separated from the rest of the pack. Right. I always tell people, I'm not that great at what I do, but I do show up and I'm breathing. And you know, that sets me apart. You don't have to have a master's degree no. in something. You just got to be a daggone hustler That's and right. use your common sense, and right. you, you two can get ahead. That's one thing I love about the opportunities down here because people will constantly go, oh, well, it's hard living on cost of living and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, dude, if you apply yourself and you really want to suit up and show up, you are going to win down here on this game. Yeah. The ones that do show up and they do take phone calls and they do return phone calls, they are winning. Yeah. Because they're, they're miles beyond the rest. And, you know, the other thing that I have so much respect for, for you is you're also raising a family. What do you got? Two sons, right? Two sons, yep. Yep. How old? They're getting ready to be six and eight. Six and eight. I can't believe I kept them alive that long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend is making their birthday cakes. Is that correct? Yes. We are we're having an Atlanta Braves baseball-themed party. All right. Holly's made your cakes for a good while, correct? She's made our cakes. I think I think she made Bradley's first cake, so she's been doing them for a while. Yeah. So you're raising a family. What's your husband do? We own a septic installation and gotcha. repair business. So, so that's a big job down here, too, because everybody's got septic, right? Well, and it's so funny because he has the same attitude. You know, he, he does a lot of the new construction at the northern end of the county in Moyoc. Right. A lot of building going on there. But he always gets calls down here and he just you know the customer just says we can't get anybody to return our call and he'll say i'm two or three weeks out and they just say well no one else is showing up or returning phone calls so once we'd like to hire you and you know let you do it because just no one shows up suit up and show up and you're going to win that's right you know and then also you were talking about the building up in moyoc which if you're from out of town if you're from philly or anything it's a little town you're coming through before you get down here to the Outer Banks. But I think it's a good good time to talk a little bit. Just the Outer Banks is bigger than just the beach. Sure. So you live in Currituck, and you find it not that big of a deal to get across the bridge and, and make your living pretty much on this side of the bridge. Absolutely. And I, I never really thought, you know, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I would have, I didn't like crossing that bridge. Right. But I have a lot of investment buyers, and the inventory is such and so low that some of the investment buyers are spilling over into Curry Tuck. Right. So we're getting a lot of sound front buying that's going on that wasn't happening maybe six or seven years ago. You weren't looking at those homes as being investment homes. Right. Second homes, yes, but not something that with a high return on investment. And now people love bringing their boats and being on the sound and in enjoying outside. Right. And so I look at the demographics of who's coming in what month, and I, I think we can tell what month it is by the license plates that we're behind. Right. And that has never changed. It's only become more true. But 
Northern Virginia and Maryland, they love the sound side. They right. love the sound. We're just seeing them spill over into that area. They love to go fishing in the sound. Yeah. And do some of the great things that Curry Tuck has to offer. Right. You know, we have some great festivals and farm markets over there that are amazing. And I think some people get a little blindsided because they're used to coming down here on Saturday and Sunday and they don't realize that you can go back and forth across that bridge with like impunity yeah. on Monday through Friday. It's so funny you say that. I do feel like the trend is coming that the turnover day is going to be flex. It's going right. to all through the summer. I mean, like, this is the only place in the whole world you cannot come in unless it is Saturday or Sunday. Right. And I do think that that's probably going to change. How much is people are banking on the Bigfoot in the room? The bridge. The bridge. Yeah. So I think my mom said it best. She said they were talking about the bridge when she was pregnant with me. I don't really think that's true, but it has been a really, really long time. I think once an area is kind of discovered, yeah, I don't think those people are going to go away because they've visited. They've seen the coin jock area is exploding with vacation rentals. I talked to Louis Davis right. recently. He's getting some Airbnbs and he's doing the thing and, you know, he's banking on the duck hunters right. and it's working. Right. So I think that while the demographics may be a little bit different, who's coming? Right. I think they're coming. Yeah. And I, I'm not positive that the bridge is going to negatively affect that just because people really like the area. Right. There's no more room for them in Kerala anyway. Right. So, Well, I mean, I think the bridge, I did talk to somebody the other day about the bridge, and they were doing something, and actually it was a member of the uh, Southern Shores Town Council. And she said that the original drawings or something for the bridge were done 50 years ago. Yeah. So very possibly they were talking about the bridge yeah. when you were, you know, before you were born. For me, I've been hearing about the bridge since I was vacationing down here. And like I said, it's constantly, it's like Bigfoot. You know what I mean? There's a lot of talk about Bigfoot and sightings, but there's no proof that it's actually, when is, is it, it going to appear? We're going to have another guest talking about that coming up pretty, pretty soon too. You referred him to me, Bobby Hainig. Yes, that's great. Bobby's great. Yep. Did he just get to be a senator or something? I think he is, he is moving up the ranks in the government for sure. Yeah. So I figured maybe he'll know something about the Dagon yeah, Bridge. Maybe he will. But anyway, so you've been selling real estate, you're gung-ho, you're, you're feisty, you're all over the place. And then you decided to get into property management. Tell me, what the hell is property management and what do you do? So I have been in property management for a really, really long time. And if you ask my husband why, he'll just be like, she's bossy. She's great at being bossy. Right. And I have three boys at home. I can't be bossy there. Your husband being one of one them. One of them. Yeah. And so I don't get to be bossy anywhere else but at work. So I was in property management for a very long time. It can be a very stressful position. You know, it's a lot of negativity. Nobody calls the property manager to tell you you're doing a great job. Right. They call you when there's a leak and the septic is backing up. That's right. what you're— purposes. But what I saw was a lot of owners, which were my buyers or my sellers, just really felt like they were not getting the service that they once were. Right. And a lot of that is because of our workforce and lack thereof. And also because a lot of homes that were long-term rentals had been converted to short-term rentals, right. making those inventories that much bigger. Right. And so a lot of these property managers, my colleagues, 
they're overwhelmed. Right. And so they've got more houses, less workers. Yep. And they've got to manage these houses and make sure that the guest experience is what we all want Outer Banks guest experiences to be, which is a positive thing. Right. But owners felt neglected. Yeah. And so I said, everybody thought I was crazy. I said, I'm going to go back into property management, but I'm going to be super selective on the houses that I take so that they're not ones that are going to suck all of my time. Right. And so I had done consulting work with owners for years, right. trying to increase their ROI. What changes could they make? Are their rates correct? What can they do differently in their homes to make more money? I was doing it all the while, but I just made it official and we opened up Coast Realty and it's been wonderful. It's been great. I think I was there for the ribbon cutting. You were there for the ribbon cutting. So how many houses does Coach Realty do? We will have about 50 in total. I don't have any desire to be a big box style property management company. I spent all day this past Saturday replacing pillows in the houses that I manage. Right. I can't do that if there's 100 of them. Right. It's impossible. So I want to give the best and the highest level of service, and I want our owners to be able to rent less and make more. We've done a lot of projects together, me and you, especially during the COVID shutdown. And for years, you know, Brooke is a big advocate of, like she said, police, fire, and then military. So one of the great things you do is you kind of spearhead something that we've been a part of for many, many years, which is the Wounded Warriors in Action Project. Can you tell me what exactly what's going on with the foundation and everything? Yes. So the Wounded Warrior in Action Foundation is based, their home base is out of Florida, and they are Purple Heart recipients are allowed to be part of this foundation, and they can apply to do certain hunting trips and fishing trips. And the mission of the Wounded Warrior in Action Foundation is to heal these Purple Heart recipients from the inside with the outdoors. Right. And so these guys come from all across the country and they've never met before. They don't know each other, but they have a common bond in that they were wounded in combat. And they leave and they are forever connected. They stay connected forever. I actually had one reach out to me in the last week. He was here with his family And he was talking to one of the guys that he had met on a trip here, and he was coming the following week. So they stay in contact. And as much as you and I do and the community does, I don't know. We can't be empathetic to their situation because I don't know what that feels like, and I don't know what that pain feels like. But when they're together and they're all sitting around a table eating dinner together— They do bond in a way that there's no way it could ever happen like that in any other situation. So the Wounded Warrior in Action Foundation does a great job of selecting the applicants and putting them together and sending them on these trips. And we're just fortunate enough to have the duck hunt has been going on for way more than 10 years. I know it was before the kids were born because I remember being pregnant and them being here and then you know, that's all Bradley's ever known is to be part of this this foundation. And they come and they bond and they eat and they hunt together and they are forever connected. You tell me who you're getting. How many people 
actually come together, businesses in this community of all different kinds, Elks and other restaurants, to make those, what, three, four days when the Wounded Warriors come down here each and every year? Well, you'll be happy to know that it's been extended because of you. And when I do that accounting at the end of the event and I basically do a spreadsheet of everybody that has given, it's close to 100 people. Right. And at a glance, somebody could say, one person could come in and do the entire thing. Right. But I have always been very meticulous, like, about who's giving what. Right. And I don't want one person to come in and do the entire thing. Right. Because then all of a sudden, it's not a community event. It's that one person right. that made it happen. And so by spreading out all of the meals and spreading out all of the toiletries and the paper products and the houses, uh, the yeah. houses, that's a huge donation, the house for a whole week. Brooke, you even organized the parade when they're leaving. <laughs> okay, girl. Yeah. The escort has started to be, we even have a porta potty, the porta potty people, Atlantic right. sewage puts a porta potty out there. So graciously for the guys when they go hunting and at the staging for the escort out, but it's just overwhelming. Everybody gives what they can. Case in point, the porta potty people. Right. When you think right off the top of the head, off your head, what can a porta potty septic company give to a hunt? They can. They can give what they have, which is porta potty. Right. And they do every year. And if year. you got to go, that's a very important it's very thing. Very important. <laughs> and so the the guides themselves were so thankful of that contribution because there was nowhere for these guys to go to the bathroom. And it never dawned on me until someone asked me, right. where can they go to the bathroom? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not there for that. But, you know, we even have people that deliver the breakfast to the duck blinds now. It's, right. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we're the only event that doesn't have a fundraising event tied to it. So the things that happen during this hunt are expensive. Right. Shells are expensive. Yeah. Duck blinds are expensive. Right. Food is expensive. And so if a lot of the other events that they do across the country, there's raffle tickets that are sold. Right. I don't want to get in the raffle ticket business. Right. I'd rather everybody give what they can give and us have a, a community sponsored, volunteered event. And I don't want to sell raffle tickets or dinners or whatever. You know, it's funny is that when I first got introduced to the Wounded Warriors, I don't know if you were even— you were doing it when I started, yeah. and the first year that I started, my husband and I paid for meals because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, we didn't pay me. <laughs> no, you did your own. You did your own, but like the breakfast and stuff, I was going to Hardee's to get. I had I had somebody reach out to me through a Facebook messenger that I used to work with at Kelly's, and this girl didn't live in the area anymore, had moved away, married and all that stuff. But she, she saw that they were coming down here. And so she Facebook messaged me and said, Hey, Wes, this is something you'd be into. So I ended up talking to the Colonel who is in charge of the whole nine yards out, out of Florida. Right. And then he get told Tim, he goes, you need to get up with this guy. He might be able to help out. And the first time I ever did anything was they were doing an oyster feed. This is the duck blind guys mm -hmm. up there at Poplar branch. They were doing oysters and whatever. Well, I walked in there, and I saw they had the oysters. They had the grill, but nobody really wanted—you know, nobody knew exactly what we're doing here. Yeah. And I just started shucking oysters, and then I started supplementing them with food. And next thing you know, yeah, a friendship was born. Yeah, so when I first got involved, they said the meals that they had, 
you had done them from start to finish. Yeah. Um, but they just expressed that they didn't feel like they had support of of the community. And I was like, you just don't have a big mouth. Like, yeah. I have a big mouth. <laughs> Let me, you're not talking to the right people. And so then that's how that was born. I just, I, I couldn't imagine them exiting this, uh, you know, event. Right. I knew there would be plenty of support. We're, there's such a military love here. Right. And I just knew that they just didn't know who to talk to. They didn't know they didn't have somebody with a big enough mouth like like me. So once the word got out, we had we were really having to tell people we got it all covered right. this year, but we'll we'll take your name for next year. Right. But you know, it's a huge sacrifice for someone like yourself or especially during COVID, sponsoring meals for twelve people. I mean, that's a lot of food to ask somebody to donate. I tell you Night one after thing. night after night. You know what? And you know this better than anybody else. No matter what we do, it ain't enough. I know. You know, because what those guys did, Yep. I mean, and the their attitude and everything else, it's yeah. like, you know. But I do think our community gets that, though, because I look at the pictures of oh, the escort yeah. out, and they're in the rain and the snow, and they've got their American flags, and they're standing up on their trucks. It's enough to take some—I mean, I'm always in tears during that, but it just goes to show you that— even though it doesn't matter what political side of the aisle you're on, we all get the sacrifice. And yeah. we all understand that they made the greatest sacrifice. Right. And seeing them out there with their American flags and 20-degree, you know, and the bikers. Yeah. And we see it as an outlet to show our appreciation for their sacrifice. And not everybody has that no. platform. So, you know, we have it and we use it. And these guys are able to see how much they mean to us. And we don't ever want that event canceled. One great thing, and I know you've experienced this, is I know one of the first years that I did it, I was actually, it was a smaller group at that time, and I was actually sitting down with them and talking yeah. and, you know, and listening to them talk. And I'm going to tell you one thing. They have fun. It doesn't matter if they're killing any ducks or not, because there is a lot of healing that goes on. It is. I mean, they really, you know, like a lot of people, it's like there are heroes but they got to grind it out every day. You know what I mean? And then when they all get together, there was one, I think it was Tim, and he was talking about to another guy. The other guy he found out ended up was one of them that saved his life when he got shot. And, you know, he put a tourniquet on him. He said, we weren't supposed to do that, but that was the only reason I'm still here, you know, and this is the guy that did it. And then about a year or so ago, what I found was most of the wounded warriors were either from Afghanistan or Iraq, which makes sense. but. The other year or so ago, there was a guy from Vietnam that It was. Showed up. It was two years ago. It was yeah. actually two years ago. Two years ago. And I was like, it's like the solution is contagious. Granted, the problems are always contagious. But you know what? Also, a little bit in more of a quiet way, the solution's contagious. And it touched all of us who were a part of it. The guy was from New York State. And I remember talking to him the night before they went hunting. And I said... You do got a lot of clothes. He goes, well, I'm from New York State, you know, Vietnam vet. And I was like, okay. He goes, I'm used to it being cold. I said, it's a whole nother level of cold out there on that yeah, sound. <laughs> that wind is tight. <laughs> he came back that night after we, we we were cooking shrimp and grits or whatever. That's one of their favorite things. And he looked at me and goes, 
yeah, it's cold. Yeah. I remember that. He was at, I walked in and they were still hunting. He didn't go back for the afternoon hunt. It was too cold for him. And yeah. I was like, what are you doing in here? He said, it's too cold for me. I don't blame him. I'm going to tell yeah. you what, I'm a big hunter. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big outdoorsman of all sorts, but there, it's a whole nother level being out on that Curry Tech Sound in the it middle is. of a duck blind. Yes. It's just, it's a whole nother level of cold, like you said. But I think it's really cool that we bring in the Boy Scouts now. Yeah. So the Boy Scouts can listen to the stories of the heroes and, a lot of those guys started as Boy Scouts and right. Eagle Scouts, and I didn't know anything about that. But involving them was a whole—I don't even remember. The Boy Scouts volunteered to do something, carry their luggage up the stairs. Yeah. And then it just morphed into something, and, you know, now they come every year. hundred percent, in my eyes, you are the spearhead of that project because you really do coordinate everybody. You know, I just wait for Brooke to bark orders. I know. I Like we said earlier, I'm just really great at being bossy. So this is just another outlet for me to be bossy for a good cause, I guess. This podcast is sponsored by Chefs on Call, a branch of Rescue Cafe Restaurant located in Duck, North Carolina. Chefs on Call's talented personal chefs will cook, serve, and clean up while you relax and enjoy the company of your friends and family at your Outerbanks vacation home. Find more at redskycafe.com. And then how's real estate going now? So there is a natural lack of inventory in June and July, and that is because our owners our property owners are getting paid big bucks during that time. Right. They're getting their disbursements for the larger rent numbers. And so that's not uncommon for there to be a shortage of inventory during that time. Right around September, we see more properties go on the market simply because owners are have been paid. The rental season's almost over. You're in the cheap seat weeks and they're done. And so they're, let's throw it on the market and see if it sticks. So those are all naturally occurring things. Yes, interest rates have went up. But if you're buying a second home or a rental property for a million dollars, you're probably not pinching pennies in the way that a first-time home buyer would. Right. And so the market is a little bit different in a sense that Moyoc and maybe Elizabeth City and the Albemarle area, yes, they have slowed because with higher interest rates, you can afford less. Right. But lots of these buyers were using cash to start with. Right. So people are still buying investment homes. Rentals are at an all-time high still. And it's usually a linear equation in a sense that when rental numbers are high, property values are high. Right. Because everybody's looking for a 10% return on investment. And so the higher those rentals go, those numbers are still high in the sales category. There's just not a lot on the market right now. Was it some sort of bubble? I saw a lot of people buying homes on the Outer Banks as second homes. Right. And they were able to work from anywhere. But now I'm just seeing them, now that they may or may not have to go back to the office, I'm just seeing them put those houses in a rental program. Right. So I don't anticipate seeing foreclosures or these houses are making more money than they have ever made before. Right. There's a good chance that that house is paying for their other primary residence at this point. Got it. And so I just don't see that. Today, I told you, you look great. She's very professional looking. Yes, she's closings got, today. Yeah, she's got closings today. So she's got her 
big girl clothes on. That's right. And the other day, like you said, you know, you might be running around town with a couple rags. dirty rags hanging out of your back pocket. So it's you got to be a hustler. You know what I mean? You got to be able to, hey, I'm willing to cook. You're willing. I um, yeah. have to do dishes. You have to do dishes. Well, know. I always said about you. Whenever I see you in the kitchen, you know, my kids think you're like a hero. (laughs) Chef Wes. They're like, he's in there cooking. And I'm like, Wes would never ask his people to do something that he is not willing to do. Right. And so I'm the same in a sense that, yeah, you know, whatever it takes to get the job done, that's just what we have to do. I want to thank you for coming in today. This is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I just think this is the coolest thing ever. I think the more people hear about our community and all the things and all the great parts about it. There's just so many things that make us super unique. And I think you're one of them. And you, you always do a great job of helping other people and other small businesses. And I think a lot of people admire that about you. And and I think that this is just a great idea. So people have a little window into our little slice of heaven. You know what? One thing too about us is, is we're a welcoming community. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you decided it's like, okay, I'm over the rat race. I want to go down there. I think it's cool. I want to, you know, but I don't know what I do and I don't know any of that. I'm going to tell you one thing. I'd be happy to sell you a house. She'd be happy to sell you a house. (laughs) And give you a job. And give you a job. And if you need it to be managed and you don't even have to say thank you. That's right. But anyway, once again, Brooke, thank you so much. And thank you for being such an intricate part of everything that, that makes the Outer Banks such a special place. And I'll be looking forward to, in January, for us to be cooking yes. for those guys again. It's a breath of fresh air. It is. It's nice. It's, it's nice to come together as one. I think the whole country could learn a lot from our community during that. You event. know what? I think... You're 100% right. You know what I mean? Because we could have different opinions on things, but at the end of the day, we're on the same damn team. That's right. You know? So anyway, thanks again, Brooke. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you later. All right. Thank you, guys. Well, that episode was a lot of fun, especially for me. Really want to thank Brooke Sparks. I learned a lot about real estate and property management. You know, it ain't fried shrimp. But that's another episode of Outer Banks Raw. This is Chef West Step. Hosting from Duck, North Carolina. I want everyone out there to subscribe or follow if you can. If you love the Outer Banks, show a little love to us and hit follow. Anyway, till next time, this is Outer Banks Raw. Later. Later.